Turn around and give your neighbor a high five and you can be seated. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, how many of you got plans today? Plans, all right, good. Jesus uh, was baptized by John. And when he was baptized by John, the father looked and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am very disappointed in. No, he didn't say that, did he? Does anybody know what he said? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The father was well pleased with his son. Guess what? You know that you are in the son and the son is in you. He that is joined uh, to the Lord is not two spirits, but he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. You are one with him. He is one with you. You are in union with him. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It would pay us rich dividends to find out all the scriptures that talk about in Christ and in whom. Because any time in the New Testament you see in Christ, in whom, it's not only speaking about Christ, but it's speaking about you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now I believe that even as the Father was well pleased with His Son Jesus, because we are in Him, the Father is well pleased in His Son's And in his daughters. I thought I might get a better amen than that. You know, Jesus said this. He said, I always do those things that please my father. Can we say that? Well, we can say it. But is is it a reality in our lives? It may not be a present tense reality, but it can be a faith reality. You can begin to say in and about your life, I always do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Amen? Amen? Look in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 and verse 6. The book of Ephesians... The first part of the book of Ephesians talks about the wealth of the believer. Uh, The second part of the book talks about the walk of the believer. And the last part of the book talks about the warfare of the believer. Now, in these scriptures on the wealth of the believer, you'll notice in Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, I want to notice in verse 5 and verse 6 if we can bring it up. If not, I'll uh, find it. The Bible says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the what? 
the good pleasure of his will. Does the Father get pleasure out of Jesus? Can the Father get pleasure out of our lives? And notice verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, it's because of the grace of God, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Now notice that phrase, wherein He has made us. Now is that past tense or is that future tense? So he has made us accepted. Or we could say it this way. We are approved in the sight of Almighty God. Wherein he hath made us accepted. Where? You are not the rejected. You are the accepted. See, Satan wants to make you feel like you're a reject. And thus, as a result of that, many people, because they feel as though they're rejected, they act like they're rejected, and they develop all sorts of issues and all sorts of insecurities in their lives. And as a result of these insecurities, they spend much of their time trying to be accepted by people. Trying to be accepted by peer groups. Trying to be accepted by parents. Trying to be accepted by whatever they need acceptance in. There is such a thing as being an approval addict. An approval addict doesn't know that they're already approved. An approval addict is out trying this and trying that and doing this and doing that, trying to get the approval of man. How many of you know that the approval of some man and some people is impossible? And so if we live our lives trying to get out of the rejection lane into the acceptance lane, we will, in, we will live our lives on a treadmill of works. But in Christ, let's put that scripture back up. But in Christ, He has made us Accepted in the Beloved. Now, hardwired into every child, on the inside of every child is the desire to be approved by a parent. Is the desire to be approved by a father if he's in the picture? If dad is not in the picture... The desire to be approved by mom. If they don't get it in the home, they'll get it somewhere else. It's the truth. 
Now, as a parent, as a Christian parent, it is vitally important for you to know that you are approved in Him. That you are accepted by Him and that you are accepted in Him and that in your life there is no rejection at all. Many of you didn't come up in Christian homes and so this revelation, this knowledge came to you as you begin to get in the Word and as the Word of God begin to pour its life into you. Amen? There's no sense of looking back at the past. The past is dead. The past should be forgotten. Now it's a new day. You're a new man. You're a new woman. You're a new person in Christ Jesus. And it is the responsibility of those that are head of houses that are in Christ to understand who they are. Because if you don't know who you are, you'll have a household of kids that don't know who they are. This is not my message today. But this is hot off the press. Now, I said it, and I'll say it again. It's important for you to know who you are and what you have and who you are in Christ Jesus so that you can live that out in a godly example before those that are in your household, whether it be grandchildren or foster kids or whatever the case may be. Listen, approved parents, parents who know that they are approved in God will exemplify that before their children and it will become an understanding in their lives that they are also approved in Christ Jesus. If a parent walks around with rejection and feeling like they're not approved and disapproved, you see, approved parents will foster approved children. Parents who don't know they're approved, their kids will be wandering their whole lives looking for approval. Approval doesn't begin in the school. Approval doesn't begin on the playground. Approval begins in Christ. And it begins in the home. Amen? Amen. So say of me real, real strong now, I am am approved approved in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. I bring pleasure to my Heavenly Father. That's why I was born again. That's why I was created. For His pleasure. And for His glory. Now, whatever the case may be, whether you be an employee, employer, a mom, a dad, the greatest commandment that we've been given is the love commandment. I want you to look over at 1 John chapter 3 and notice with me in verse 1. 1 John chapter 3 and notice with me in verse 1. Father, we thank you for your word today.
We thank you, Father, for the greater one who lives on the inside of us. Rise up big within us. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Minister to us today by your great love and grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now notice verse 1. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew him not. Now notice this. He's saying, look, this great love your father has bestowed upon us. He didn't just bestow his love upon us. He put his love in us. He furnished us with the ability to love even as he has loved. To love unconditionally, to love with the agape, absolute kind of love. Man, that's good news. That's so, such good news, I'm going to drink to it. Amen. All hell, King Jesus. Look at John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 now. He's furnished us with the love. He said, a new commandment I give unto you, moms, dads, everyone, that you love one another. Now notice, as I have loved you, and we said in previous sessions that there's no way that I can love you unless I have a revelation of how much God loves me. Say this with me, love loves me. My Father loves me. And I have faith In my Father's love. That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now notice verse 35. Read it with me, please. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. How how is the world going to know that we are truly his disciples? If we what? If we love one another. Amen. If we love one another. So we know then that this is not a suggestion. This is an order from our commander-in-chief. And when we are given an order for our commander-in-chief, what should our response be? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. sir. How many guys or ladies have been in the military before? Okay. Now, during boot camp, when it was time to get up and you didn't get up, you were in trouble. They may have gone into the place where you were sleeping and said, get up. Oh, I just don't feel like it. Well, they'll make you feel like it. (laughs) Well, our commander in chief has given us an order about which there is absolutely no room, if you will, for us to say, well, I just don't feel like it. Love is not based on feelings. Amen. Love is based on the fact that his love has been put in it. So what we're looking at is we're looking at different ways, different areas, how then we can keep this love commandment. And the first one we looked at a couple of weeks ago is we looked at the fact that love prefers his or her brother. Look at Romans chapter 12. And notice verse 10. It says, Be kindly, affectioned one to another, With brotherly love. 
in honor preferring one another. In honor preferring one another. So this kind of love, and in keeping this commandment, this God kind of love prefers its brother. We define the word there, prefer means to go before or to take the lead in and showing deference to one another. I like the NIV. It says, honor one another above yourselves. The New Living Translation says, delight in honoring one another. So we've looked at that. Now let's take it a step further today. The next one we want to look at in obeying this commandment is found in Romans chapter 13. And I want you to notice verse 10. This is a very important one. And we're going to spend the balance of our time this morning on this one and this one alone. We don't want to try to give you too much. Some of you look like you can't even handle what we've had thus far. But I love you anyway. In Romans chapter 13. Oh, come on. Smile. It's all right. I'm just a fooling with you. That's right. Romans 13. It says this. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Say this with me. Love Love. is the fulfilling fulfilling of the law. law. Now, that's a little bit blind to us. What does love is the fulfilling of the law mean? I just got a book called The Greatest Thing in the World by uh, Harold Drummond, and I want to read to you what he said about love is the fulfilling of the law. He said, did you ever think what he meant by that? He said, in those days men were working their passage to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments and the hundred and ten other commandments that they had manufactured out of them. Christ said, I will show you a more simple way. He said, if you do one thing, you will do these hundred and ten things without ever thinking about them. If you love, you will unconsciously fulfill the whole law. And you can readily see for yourselves how that that must be so. He says, take any of the commandments. For example, thou shalt have no gods before me, no other gods before me. Well, think about it. If a man loves God, you will not require to tell him that. For love is the fulfilling of that law. How about this one? Take not his name in vain. Would he ever dream of taking his his name in vain if he truly loved God? How about this one? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Would he not be too glad to have one day in seven to dedicate more exclusively to the object of his affection? Love would fulfill all of these laws regarding God. And so, if he loved man... You would never think of telling him to honor his father and mother. He could not do anything else. It would be preposterous to tell him not to kill. You could only insult him if you suggested that he should not steal. How could he steal from those he loved? It would be superfluous to beg him not to bear false witness against his neighbor. For if he loved him, it would be the last thing that he would do. And you would never dream of urging him not to covet what his neighbor has. He would, rather they be, he would rather they possessed it than himself. In this way, love is the fulfilling of the law. It is the rule 
for fulfilling all rules, the new commandment for keeping all the old commandments, Christ's one secret of the Christian life. And so love then fulfills the law. Now let's look at the first part of this verse. Love worketh no ill to his nearby. Your neighbor is not just the person sitting next to you. They are a nearby. But your neighbor is anyone you come in contact with. And so the next way that we can show the love of God is we can show the love of God by doing no harm to anyone. Love, this kind of love, never hurts his or her neighbor. And one of the greatest ways that dads can hurt people, that moms can hurt people, that we all can hurt people, is we can hurt people with the words that we speak. The words that we say are absolutely vital. And so what I want to encourage you in this morning on this Father's Day is be cognizant, be aware of your words and your actions and the effect that they may have on another person. Sometimes people, you know, they get a little bit haughty and they just say, well, that's just my prophetic gift. I just tell it like I see it. And I say, no, that's your pathetic flesh acting carnal. So many people violate this love command and only realize it after it happened. It's easy. I've done it myself. You've done it probably more times than you'd like to admit. Where you just kind of blare into a situation. How many of you have ever said some things that after you said some things you thought, Oh, man, I wish I hadn't said that. Why? Because it brought something up that didn't need to be brought up. And it makes a person feel bad. And your words can make a person look bad. Now the problem is, is people's mouths are running when their mind is not in gear. And as long as our minds are running, our our mouth is running while our mind is not in gear, we are not going to obey the love command. I got a word for you today. You're not supposed to talk and then think later about what you said. Look at Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28. Just let the word speak to you today, guys. Let the Holy Spirit minister this to your heart today. Proverbs 15, 28 says that the heart of the righteous, any, any righteous people in here? Anybody in right standing with God? Well, I think we better say it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, believe that and say that till you're convinced of that. Believe that. Meditate on that until it registers in your heart. But the heart of the righteous, now notice, he studies to answer. But 
The mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Now, you don't have to be wicked to say something evil, do you? Absolutely not. Now, listen to the, another translation and just keep that up there if you would. The voice translation says this, the right living think before they speak. The wrongdoers, they just simply spew evil. Another translation says this, good people think before they answer. But the wicked speak evil without ever thinking. And still another says this, good people, the heart mind of the righteous think. Now notice, here's what the word study means. They think, they reflect, they meditate before they answer. Before they answer. There should be a filter there. Between what you think and how you answer. Now look over at Proverbs chapter 10. Let's work with this a little bit today. Look at your neighbor and say, we're working on something. We're working on something here today. In Proverbs 10 now, in verse 19, it says this. In the multitude of words. What does the word multitude mean? Many, innumerable. In the multitude of words there lacketh not sin, but he that restrains his lips is a fool. No, thank God he that restrains his lips is wise. Now listen to some of these other translations. We don't have time to pull them up, but let me just read them to you. Sin is unavoidable where there is much talk. But whoever seals his lips is wise. That's, that's quite true, isn't it? Verse 19, another translation says, The more you talk, the more likely you will cross the line and say the wrong thing. Brother Hagin used to say, he says, I found this out. The less I talk, the less I have to repent of. <laughs> and I think that's a problem. Unrepented things that you've talked about and said about cause your spirit to become callous. Keep your heart tender. You know in your heart when you said something you shouldn't have said. Amen? So the more you talk, the more likely you will cross the line and you'll say the wrong thing. But if you're wise, I'm looking at a congregation of wise people. I didn't say wise guys. But if you're wise, you will speak less and with restraint. The person who is always talking, 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 talking is always sinning, 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 sinning. (laughs) The only way to fix it is think before you speak. Now, I understand that this concept is new to millions of people. (laughs) Say with me, there's supposed to be a filter between what I think and what I say. Meditate before you answer. Think before you speak. Let me quote Ephesians 4.29. It says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but only that which is beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, that it may minister grace to the hearer. 
Amen. Amen. So, meditate before you answer. Think before you speak. One thing to think about is this. Now, if I say that, how will that affect them? And not only that, how will that affect them, but how will they hear that? You ever heard something that you misinterpreted? How's that going to affect that person? How will they hear that? Selah. All right, turn to Proverbs chapter 17. Notice in verse 27. Proverbs 17, verse 27. Now he that has knowledge spares his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. So he that is knowledgeable, the Jewish Bible says, a knowledgeable person controls his tongue. Amen. So is there wisdom for the right thing to say? Absolutely there is. Now let's keep tracking it over to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 2. We're going to look at the NIV. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2, NIV. Verse 28. Proverbs, yeah. Well, praise the Lord. We'll get that one. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 5, 2 in the NIV. It says, don't be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty in your heart. To utter anything before God. God is in heaven. You're here on earth, so let your words be few. And then Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 12 in the NIV. Ecclesiastes 10, 12 says, Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious. Everyone say gracious. But it says, Fools are consumed by their own lips. I don't want to be a fool. How about you? Now, I looked up the word gracious a little bit earlier today, and the word gracious means pleasantness, it means kind, it means to be courteous, and it means to be merciful. So the words that we speak should be filled with mercy, filled with kindness. And the words that we speak in the home, in the church, on the job, on the freeway, in the mall, at Safeway... In the restaurant, at the airport, on BART, at the ball game, at the gym. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, your words should be kind and courteous and merciful. Not get out of my way. Amen. So use your words then to accomplish something. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Say it with me. I'm thinking... From this day forward, before I speak. Now, if you practice, that, practice this, it's going to get a lot quieter in your life. Our words can be like arrows that just hurt and crush people. On the other hand, the tongue, other hand, the tongue of the wise can bring healing into a person's life. Pray for wisdom. Pray in the Spirit. Ask the Spirit of God to help you. Ask Him right now. Say it with me. Lord Jesus, I invite the Holy Spirit to put a watch over the words of my mouth. Help me to say only that which is beneficial. 
only that which builds up my brothers. So love works no ill to his neighbor. It doesn't work any harm to anyone. How many of you know we're supposed to be blessings? The question I have for you this morning is, what are you leaving in your wake? You know what I mean by that? Some jets, for example, you have to watch because they have what they call wake turbulence. And a jet may come through and and turn stuff upside down. And and if you're there, you've got to watch it yourself so you don't get turned upside down. (laughs) You ever been to a place, a business, maybe even a home, where the atmosphere was just so thick with something not good? Maybe you walked into your business and there had just been a meeting and people are shuffling their papers. They're looking at the floor looking for dimes. Everybody's just all bummed out and all upset. You walk and say, what happened? So-and-so just came through. Oh, I see. So-and-so just came through. Don't be that so-and-so. Don't be that bummer. Don't be the party pooper. Don't be the office messer-upper. Don't be the home breaker-upper, crasher. What are you leaving in your wake? Dads, what kind of atmosphere are you carrying in your life? Moms and dads, what kind of examples are we displaying to our children? Now, I've found this out to be true, that weak people hurt people. Weak people hurt people. But you're not weak. Let me try this section over here. You're not weak? Some of you are looking at me like, I'm not? (laughs) No, not in Christ. Not in Christ, you're not weak. In Christ, you're strong. In Christ, you're bold. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The Lord's your light. He's your salvation. He's the strength of your life. Glory to God. You're strong in Him and the power of His might. Amen? And you know what strong Christians do? Strong dads do? Strong parents do? Strong employers do? Strong people know how to diffuse situations. Strong people know how to go into a situation... And say, I got this. I got this. Stand behind dad here. I'm going to take this. I got this. Strong people can walk into an atmosphere of strife and cause the peace of God to permeate that situation. Blessed are the peacemakers. You got to be strong to be a peacemaker. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Strong fathers can diffuse situations that go on on in their children's life. Strong fathers that are secure in Him, that know they're approved by God, can take that little one who's been ridiculed and bullied on the playground and speak life to him and speak life to her and diffuse any situation. Be that strong person. Be that peacemaker. Be that blessing. Let me ask you this morning. 
Have you ever helped someone that was hurting and eased their pain? That's not a real good response. I'm going to ask it one more time. Have you ever helped someone that was hurting and eased their pain? Sure you have. You're not going to stand up and say, oh yeah, I'm that person, I understand. But how'd that make you feel? Made you feel good, didn't it? Bringing a word of encouragement to someone? Slipping someone a $10 bill for gasoline? That barely made it to church on fumes? I have that 10 for you today if you need gas. Just wait in the foyer and I'll give it to you. Yep, that's right, I'm a big time giver. Yes, I am. We've hit the big leagues now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say it with me, I'm strong. I'm strong in the Lord. The power of His might. I want to close with this story. The story is told of a wealthy man. He was dying. He was a multi, multi-millionaire. And he was laying in bed, and uh, he got to thinking about, well, you know, what, what do I want to do before I die? You know, there's this old movie called Bucket List. It's kind of a cute little movie, and they went and did all these things that they wanted to do before they died. Well, this guy's bucket list had already been done. He says, well, I've done that about 12 times. I've been there. Don't need to go there again. I've, I've done that. And he's thinking, he's laying in bed, and all of a sudden, this thought came to him. Have you ever given anything to anyone? Have you ever given? Have you ever helped someone? You know where that thought came from. That thought came from the Lord. And so he had a large staff and he said, okay, here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to go out and I want you to find some needy situations and let's, let's take this money and let's meet that need and let's do something for somebody. And so they went out and found some needy situations and they met that need and fulfilled that need. And, and the guy thought, well, that went pretty good. He says, go out and find some more. So they went and found some more and met some needs. And time keeps passing. Before you know it, he's out of bed and he's at his desk. He forgot to die. Because he got so absorbed into meeting another person's need. He got so absorbed that he started foundations here and there and everywhere. He got so busy sowing that he reaped. He just flat forgot to die. So if you're all depressed and all bummed out and you're just thinking about dying, don't do it. Get on the given end of life. Somebody says, well, I don't have any money. Have you got a smile? If you've got a smile, if you've got a word of encouragement. You see, God doesn't expect you to do it all. He just expects you to do something. And when you do little through Him and by Him, little becomes much. 
The happiest people that I know are people that are truly keeping the love command. They're preferring their brothers and they're working no ill to their neighbor. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word this morning. Thank you that the word is life. We rejoice in it and we give you praise.